Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. I know we say that every time, but we are talking to a teacher and we love Yay. teachers. So <laughs> um, I was in uh, a Wit and Wisdom Facebook group and someone asked the question, what do you do for your uh, special education students and what do you do for your below grade level readers? So I'm reading an exact quote from the Facebook page and our guest today, uh, her name is Katie. Her response really stood out to me. And so I reached out to her and I said, can you come talk about what you just shared on the podcast? And so Melissa and I are really excited to have you today, Katie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we're very authentic today. We're, you're in your classroom. So if we hear speakers in the background, we're just <laughs> you know, going to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> we know how that goes. <laughs> So Katie, tell um, our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, like you said, my name is Katie Overstreet. I am a fifth and sixth grade special ed teacher, and I co-teach in a literacy classroom. So I have one block a day of fifth grade and one block a day of sixth grade, and then I do um, resource in the afternoon with my IEP students. Um, This is my fifth year teaching here. I teach at Comanche Middle School in Comanche, Iowa. Um, and my six-year teaching overall. I taught three-year-old preschool for a year first. Oh, <laughs> what a change because now you're now you're in fifth and sixth grade. <laughs> Maybe the three-year-olds prepared you for that, right? <laughs> my son just did it yesterday. So. Oh my I can't imagine teaching a whole <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of Elliots running around Melissa. What would you think of that? I don't know. One is enough. One is fine. <laughs> Uh, so Katie, I I just want to share how much your response stood out to me in you know the original um, post that I had seen because it felt like sometimes in in some of the other posts that I was reading in response to this quote, I guess I should say responses in response to the post um, that there were some like excuses being made, like um, kids can't do grade level work. But what really stood out to me about your response is that you believe that your kids can do it and also that you are servicing a group of students that likely has some higher needs. So I'd love for you to share what you were thinking when you typed that, um, a little bit about, you know, your students and your experience, because you do use wit and wisdom. So we're, we're very excited because I feel like we're talking the same language. We, you know, some, not everyone um, that we have on uses wit and wisdom. So we're psyched to talk all things today and like really <laughs> zero in on that. Awesome. Throw out all those wit and wisdom acronyms. Yeah, we can do it. We can be like FQT and and all the way. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just, coming in five years ago as a resource teacher, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And then the more I got to know my students, teaching fifth and sixth grade, I get to loop with the kids. So the kids that I have in fifth grade, I keep sixth grade so by the end of sixth grade we know each other pretty well um and 
most of the time, you just need to figure out whatever that kid's barrier is. Maybe all the thoughts are in their brain, but they can't get it out on paper. So you need to figure out how to get the thought from the brain, you know, into a gradable, uh, observable, tangible um, that they can share with you, you know? So if that means that they're just telling it to me instead of writing it down in a graphic organizer, then that's something that needs to work for that kid. Um, so far, eventually by the end of the two years, I've, I feel like I've been pretty successful in figuring out what each kid needs that they're able to access the core texts. They're able to answer the questions. It might not look exactly like everyone else in the gen ed classroom, but we, we get there eventually. And, and they're all capable of that. All, all kids, all kids are capable of that. So it's just like a core belief of mine and I refuse to give up on any of them, even if we have to sit next to each other for several periods in a day to get through. <laughs> um, but we're just going to be good friends by eighth hour, you know? <laughs> Katie, I'm curious about like, I mean, I, I love that you have this like core belief. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, and I also see like the perspective of teachers who are like, I have students who are, I'm just going to make it up, but reading three grade levels below. And here's this really tough grade level text. I don't, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and what, can you give some examples specifically around, like you said, like helping them to access the text? Like if they are reading below grade level, like how do you help them? I know there's different things for different students, but what are just some examples of things that you do with your students? Sure. So being a 21st century teacher is really uh, to my advantage. Uh, you can find almost anything on the internet. So every <laughs> core text that we've used so far, which this is our third year of implementation, and we've only made it through the first two modules because we started the year that COVID hit. So oh, okay. we didn't finish much the first year. The second year, we are hybrid the whole time. So this year is going more as normal. But, um, you know, anyway, so uh, of the core text that we have used, I've been able to find audio versions online, or they all have... Um, we're a one-to-one -one district, so all of our students have Chromebooks, and so I just have the accessibility functions turned on um, so they can select things to be read aloud to them. So there are PDFs of all the texts available on their Google Classrooms, um, and they can just kind of choose. And, you know, my classroom is four doors down from my co-teacher's classroom, so if we're in the gen ed and it's time to read, they know that they can just get up, go to my room, grab their headphones off my wall, come back and get to work when the other kids are finding their book and flip into the page, you know? So it's just, we've set up these routines. They know where their resources are. And I haven't really had a whole lot of problems with using them appropriately. I think that kids want innately to be successful. And so when they're not fighting against the method of receiving information, it's a lot easier to be successful. So. That's <laughs> great. I love, I love the idea of setting up the routines to help them be mm -hmm. successful. And I, I'm wondering, is there a text that has stood out to you or your students where they've really engaged with and used the different like methods that you've supported them with? And, and I'm going to go ahead and just say scaffolds that you're supporting them with. Yeah. Um, I think Bud Not Buddy is really fun because most of the uh, read aloud versions I've found on YouTube, people have a lot of fun with the slang that 
that goes on in that book and the different like dialects. And I think the kids, it kind of brings it to life for them a little bit more. Um, and I think it makes it even for any kid, gen ed or special ed, I think it makes it a little more interesting to listen to when you're hearing someone else talk the way that Bud is talking or the way that Lefty Lewis is, you know, shortening or uh, hyping up words or, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I really like that your intent is to keep the rigor for every student and that you're you're trying hard to do that by keeping the, the text and by you know, we, in a, we've discussed previously the task. And so I'm wondering um, if you might be able to illuminate a little bit more, you know, kind of uh, shifting from text to tasks and, and talk us through uh, what it looks like supporting your students with uh, grade level tasks, grade level work. Sure. So if it's something that's high writing, most of my students, I create a lot of the workbook handouts on Google Docs and they have them in their Google Classrooms and they're able to type or voice type uh, their notes instead of writing them because that's a barrier for many of them. Spelling, um, being able to go back and read their own handwriting isn't something that a lot of them can do and so um, using their computers as, as that tool, that's something that we do quite a bit. Um, they all have a testing accommodation that when we're doing a grade level assessment, a classroom assessment, a state assessment, whatever, they can be in smaller groups, they get longer time, they get breaks, all of those things. So um, on assessment days, which we use, we use the FQTs as assessments. And so on days that we're writing FQTs, instead of the class period or two class periods that the gen ed students get, my kids get it until they're done. And we just go to my classroom and, um, you know, there are little areas in my room. I'm kind of tucked in a corner of the building. And so they can go out in the hallway to talk to their computers. They can listen to it again. They can, you know, kind of do whatever they need. Um, and then for notes, I think specifically, um, like the web catchers when we're reading out of the dust in sixth grade are, uh, they're a big stumbling block for a lot of kids that I've worked with. They just don't know what to do for that. And so we, you know, as a team, I, I'm on a team of four teachers, um, we created a, a graphic organizer that is a web catcher. And so for my students, quote unquote, you know, yeah. um, during our resource time where it's just me and them, um, I put that up on my projector and we do the notes together. And maybe we need to write down eight things, but you need to find one that we'll share all around and you need to find one example that we'll share as a class. So it's kind of like, you're still showing me that you can do the skill, but now it's not so big that you can't, you don't even know where to start. That's helpful, thank you. Yeah. And for those listening, we did use a Witten Wisdom acronym. We did say FQT, that's a focusing question task. <laughs> so do you wanna explain when they do a focusing question task just so that Anyone listening is like, well, what, when, what does that mean? Do they do it daily? Do they do it every other week? Do they do it once a module? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, so they're like every four or five lessons. Um, and we, we usually, we have a block, but we do some other things within our literacy block, not just wit and wisdom for the full 84 minutes. And lessons are normally about 90 minutes. So um, we usually take two days to a lesson. So every two weeks or so, we're doing an FQT. And how do your students do it then? I mean, they're, they're not easy all the time. <laughs> There's no. some tough tasks. <laughs> it is tough. 
I have found um, if I give like a topic sentence starter, so like the first one in sixth grade is what makes Bud a survivor? We're reading Bud, not Buddy. We've read the first six chapters and they need to tell me how Bud is a survivor. If I just give them Bud is a survivor because, and then let them finish my sentence, it seems to go a lot better. And so they're still proving to me that they know how Bud's a survivor. They still are able to go find it in the text. Um, a lot of times I find I just kind of give guiding questions. Okay, so you just told me that Bud is a survivor because he's really brave. When was he brave? Well, when he, you know, and they fill in the blank of a time that they remember him being brave. Yeah, that's good. Nice job. I'm pretty sure that was in chapter four. Why don't you go find a quote to prove that to me, that he was brave when he did that thing? Okay. And then they go do that, you know, so it takes time. And, you know, <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they haven't read the book, it, not all kids do their homework. If they haven't read the book, it takes a little while longer because now, well, okay, you didn't read chapter four go listen to chapter four and then come back to me. Let me know <laughs> if you're done with that. Um, but yeah, so it takes time, but bit by bit we get there. And um, I, the beginning of fifth grade, it's a disaster. It takes forever. I think that that first FQT is five sentences long. It takes us three days usually, you know, to get five kids to write five sentences each. I'm going to say um, though, Katie, but, I was having this conversation with a colleague. Somebody was asking me a question about expectations for like beginning of kindergarten and then like beginning of second I was like I don't know I feel like the beginning of any grade is pretty much a disaster like it does take six to eight weeks for kids to like adjust to being back in school I totally agree with you I totally agree with you but then by the end of sixth grade my students are blowing me away with the beautiful paragraphs that they're writing about you know comparing the two main characters of the two cortex in the first module so yeah, I don't know. It's it's so fun to watch that growth. And now this year, year three of implementation, um, my current students have had wit and wisdom since third and fourth grade. So, you know, it's building and our fifth graders came in this year and they knew all of the parts of a paragraph that had never happened before, you know. So I don't know. It's It's been really fun to see the progress year to year. Yeah. And I think I'm totally, I was going to ask you a totally leading question, but I'll just make a comment instead. <laughs> you can choose whether you want to respond to it, but I was just thinking back to your original, like your core belief, right. That you believe in these students. And I wonder like, you know, if they haven't had teachers that had that core belief about them, that they can do this tough work, you know, that they might not think that they can coming into fifth grade, but like, if you are showing them over these you know, <laughs> tough task after tough, tough task that they can, I I would imagine that is rubbing off on them, right? That that, I don't I, know. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's skills that you're building in them as well, but I think there's probably a little bit of the the confidence that you're building too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that is the TNTP. That is one of the findings of the TNTP mm -hmm. study that holding high expectations and you're, you're doing that. Yeah. I, this is a little off topic, but a little going along with what you just said. I, so I'm the literacy 
special ed teacher for fifth and sixth grade. There's a math special ed teacher for fifth and sixth grade. And we started together. We're the same age. Um, her Aww. name is Kelly. So it's Kelly and Katie. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> super cute. and we get along super well. And our kids are super annoyed by us. So we share all the same students. We split the roster. And so she has them some days a week. I have them some days a week. We have them together sometimes. Um, and so at load your lockers night this year, one of, uh, he's a seventh grader this year, but we had him for the last two years. He comes walking in with mom and we were like, Oh, Oh, Hey, so-and-so, Hey, you're going to miss us this year. And he was like, <laughs> Uh, no. And we're like, yes, you will. And so the smiled and shook his head and rolled his eyes and walked away. Um, but I tell you what, that kid has turned the corner back to the fifth and sixth grade hallway to say hi to us a few times I'm this sure. year. So <laughs> we're, we're annoying. Uh, I think they know that we're never going to give up on them. And then that turns into, we're not going to give up on your academics. You're going to get the thing done because you can get the thing done. So let's just do it, you know? Yeah. And you're going to learn the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a total side note, but I jotted it down earlier. Um, how long are your class periods? I'm just, I'm so curious. Always when we talk to teachers, especially middle school-ish teachers, yeah, we have 42 minute class periods. We have eight periods in the day. And then we have like a 34 minute win, what I need now at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like a homeroom catch up time. Um, oh, I should start putting that on my work calendar, a win time for myself. Yeah. And what do I need now? <laughs> I love win time. I love it. <laughs> I've never heard of that. But anyway, that's total, that's, that's a divert, uh, <laughs> little divergent thought, but. <laughs> he gets a block. So sixth grade, we have them first and second hour. So we have them for 84 minutes. Okay. Um, plus passing periods. We have them for 88 minutes. Um, and then the same thing with fifth grade, third and fourth hour. Okay. So that's, that's good. That's helpful to know. I always feel like if I were listening, I would want to know, like, Okay, she said that she was able to, you know, accomplish this in this amount of time. Like that is always such a, a <laughs> yeah, that is such a hot topic. Like, but I also, you know, I also hear you say my students get extended time. My students, you know, are able to work on a task until they're finished it, which does consume a whole lot of extra time, I'm sure, you know, as you're, and especially using the audio books, um, probably more so than, um, you know, a, a, another classroom teacher that, is taking up time. Definitely. Yep. I'm curious about, um, I think co-teaching with another teacher is always mm -hmm. like a, could, <laughs> it can be great, but it also could, could go very wrong. Um, cause it's just two, you know, two teachers trying to work together and have a relationship of their own. I'm wondering about like how you work with your co-teacher and if there's any, are there any, um, any, and is there anything set up in your school for you all to be able to work together in any way, any structures in place? That's a good question. Sure. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, so we're a PLC school, uh, a professional learning community school. And so we have team planning time together. That's like protected time with administration twice a week. And so we get 84 minutes a week together to plan. Um, but we also have common prep time. So the four literacy teachers, so there's three gen ed and me um, for fifth and sixth grade, we get together 
every day to plan and make sure that we're all kind of on the same page. We, our hope is that you could walk into any of the three literacy classrooms and the same thing is happening. We're in the same place in the curriculum. Our students are doing the same thing. No educational lottery is, is kind of what we talk about. Oh, I like that. So, yeah. so regardless of which lit teacher you get, you're going to be getting the same information, the same everything. So um, I am with one, of the three literacy teachers for fifth and sixth grade. This is our second year working together and she's phenomenal. She's a new teacher. This is her second year teaching, but she asks fantastic questions. She has really, really good ideas on how to help every student access the curriculum. Um, and we get along really well. We're both young mothers. We're both, you know, um, we have similar interests and similar, you know, we're both literacy nerds. So <laughs> I really love working with her. We're friends socially, but then come to work and um, we're getting to the point where we're finishing each other's sentences. We had a student last week, they were working on something independently. So we were talking about what we were going to do with the, with the next class period. And, you know, we're talking and chittering and whatever. And one of our students raises his hand and he said, have you guys been friends since the old days? <laughs> and we were like, the, the old? So no, like, we're, we're not, we're, we're not know, that old. Like, so. <laughs> but so it's just, I think, um, I don't know, maybe this is weird. I, it's kind of like a marriage. Like you need to be able to, totally to communicate. Is. You need to be able to trust each other. You need to have each other's back. Like uh, you need to be a partnership. You need to want the best for the kids and you need to be able to do that together. And so I had really good, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, I agree. Yeah. I think that you need to have that, that core belief. Your, I mean, I feel like you set us off on a really great path by stating that up front. your core belief. If you know, someone who you're co-teaching with doesn't also held that core belief, then that could be a huge hindrance. And it sounds like yeah. it's just a really great match for you in terms of yeah. like your co-teacher has that core belief. So you're, you're setting that foundation. Like you're not starting from the bottom. You're like already built a really strong foundation and that you have this core belief about kids and students and school and consistency across classrooms. And you're all willing to work toward that goal, that core belief, and then move forward from there. Um, that's cool. I love this. Can, would, would, can and I feel like that's true for my entire team. Yeah. Okay. That's, sorry, sorry. No, that's beautiful. No, I know there's like a lag. Um, probably because it's yeah. so windy here today. Um, <laughs> is there, is there anything that you do during that time together that, that makes it really impactful in terms of prepping, prepping or preparing for, uh, teaching your students with, um, high quality materials? Sure. Um, so I think it's kind of building on each other. As I said, this is our third year of implementation, but every year we our team has changed. So we had um, the team of four our first year, and that team, our administration gave us uh, one day a month to really get together, dig into the curriculum. We never had like official professional development from Great Minds when we adopted Wit and Wisdom. So we just kind of sat with our curriculum director who chose the curriculum and she was kind of walking us through it. And we were diving into the standards and what activity goes with which thing. And so that was really good. While we were teaching it, we were doing that once a month. We would like look at the next, the next 
arc, the focusing question arc. So the next four or five lessons when we would do those. And then the second year we could sit in planning time when half of our team was new. So it was me and one previous teammate and then two brand new ones. And we could say, well, when we did this last year, we found, and the first year we taught with complete fidelity, we didn't change a thing. The second year we adjusted a little um, based on our students and what they can do and what we felt was necessary. And now this third year, uh, we have one teammate again. So three of us were here last year and we have one new one. Um, and so it's just kind of like, um, I just think it's encouraging to trust the process and this might feel repetitive, but I promise it's coming back and it really spirals. And I know that he doesn't get that now, but we're going to summarize again in four lessons. And so he's going to get it by then. And yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thinking about um, you, you've been doing Witten Wisdom. This is your third year. So you've had at least one year where you didn't have wit and wisdom. You had something else. <laughs> we always talk on the podcast about like, you know, and and I think we've had some people talk about this too, of like the thing you can do when you have a curriculum, right. Is like, here, here's something already done. I don't have to go find the texts. I don't have to go make worksheets. I don't have to go, <laughs> you know, come up with what they're doing but I can really focus in on the, okay, here's what's here. Here's what my students need to do. I can figure out how to get them there. I'm wondering, like, as someone who's living it every day, <laughs> is that, is that true? hundred percent. That is a hundred percent true. Um, my <laughs> first two years here, we had power standards that we decided as a team of fifth and sixth grade literacy teachers. So we looked at the Iowa core and we said, we're going to make sure our students are proficient for sure in these five, six, seven standards, and then the rest will be supporting. So we'll touch on them, but you know. So then planning was looking for activities that went along, <laughs> that went along. We, we planned for hours a day yeah. to have all of the materials and so often we would be sitting looking at a standard and picking it apart and okay well what does this even mean fifth grade, fifth grade ri 5.1 says that they need to quote accurately sixth grade ri 6.1 says that they need to cite accurately what's the oh. difference between citing like what should we be showing our fifth graders that's different from our sixth graders and why does it matter and so we would just you know kind of beat that dead horse for ever. <laughs> and a, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so often in our meetings, we would say, just tell us what you want us to teach. Mm -hmm. And then we got handed these written wisdom uh, teacher manuals. <laughs> and I was like, hey, they're telling us what. And then we hated it. We did not, we did not buy into wit and wisdom for like the first probably good three months of our first year of implementation. This is great. We like, this is like true confessions. Keep uh -huh. going. Go ahead. <laughs> it really is. And you know, it, I, I want to say it took until about Thanksgiving of our first year to really our whole team to be on the wit and wisdom bandwagon. And because we would be looking at the lessons 
things and we were so used to creating everything to get our students to proficient where we would be looking at the lesson and we'd say like well that's a silly way of teaching that i think that we should pull in this activity or this strategy to get there yeah and then we'd turn the page or we'd get to the the lesson three three lessons from now and we'd be doing the thing and it's like okay we don't need to be adding our own let's the mantra that entire year that our curriculum director our administrator our instructional coach they're all like trust the process follow the manual it you're not a puppet you know like like trust trust the process and we promise it it's it's good it's best practice it's research research based um and so it took until about Thanksgiving, but, but by then I think we all kind of bought in. And since then I, it's been so good. I, I love it. And we saved so much time planning. Oh, I know I, when you were talking about the standards, my head was in my hands because oh, I just was like, Oh, PTSD from when we did that and had those conversations and oh my gosh, like what, what is the difference between quoting <laughs> My my first year teaching too, they got us together to like vertically align our power standards. And so they got all of the ELA educators from kindergarten through 12th grade together in the elementary school gymnasium. And they had us write down our power standards. And we found out walking around all those big post-it notes, every single grade level was teaching main idea and details and theme. Every single grade level those two were power standards. So it's like by 12th grade, these kids have heard about theme 13 times. Like, right. And they're like, oh like all, all year. Yeah. Well, also, I remember I mean, that in Baltimore. Like I remember looking I, yeah. at some high school. I was like, we're teaching theme in high school as if they've never heard this word before. <laughs> yeah. but, but again, that's why, I mean, that's why high quality materials matter because there's so yeah. much spiral. I mean, you mentioned it, Katie, like over the course of a year, but there's, there's spiral from kindergarten through eighth grade through 12th grade using high quality materials. And you can't see that as a teacher with your students mm-hmm. in sixth grade teaching like it's just it's impossible unless you are able to really zoom out and and I don't know maybe sit down with a curriculum director which I don't know any teachers that like have the time to do that in their no the that. <laughs> yeah. and power standards kill me too because it's just like they they're not again it's not a thing like in absence of knowledge you, there's no power standards the, right. you know there's not like a teach theme every year and then Oh, we're going to get so good at theme because, I mean, if I'm reading something on stem cell research, I may not be able to tell you the theme. Like, that is the reality of it. Well, definitely not because that's an information. I know. I know. I I I didn't think about it. Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) We're recording this one later in the day. You know I'm not my best in the afternoon. (laughs) Give me me a better example. Fix it for me. Uh, just, Just make it it. I don't know. <laughs> Central idea. Thank <laughs> it's you. Just a theme. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so funny, but anyway, back. To, so we got. It's okay. Way this off is track. just. Con- this is our confessions time. It's Katie had confessions. We have like, confessions. What on this one. <laughs> but what I love is, I mean, all that all that you talked about, Katie, of the what you do to help your students be able to reach the goals in wit and wisdom. Like you have the time to do that because you're not doing all that other work that you had to do prior. It's so important. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think 
a lot of my, I'm so grateful for my team and my administration. I have always felt supported and um, like I have worth in this building and, you know, and I know that that's not true for every teacher. And so I know that I'm just incredibly blessed by the team that I'm on and the administration that I have. Um, my current principal, his first job was my job. He was a special education teacher Aww. for fifth and sixth grade. And so he really protects uh, my time with my students, you know, um, and he understands when I say, hey, I heard about this thing. Could I give it a try? And well, sure, go ahead, you know. So um, I just I really appreciate all that support. And I feel like I've been able to be so successful and my students have been able to be so successful because of all the support that we have and the time that we've been given to dig into the curriculum and ask questions and talk to the people who picked it. And, you know, so that's been good. It's so interesting because I feel like the, the, the people who we have on like you who are super energetic about, you know, teaching with high quality materials and who are willing to be learners in this workspace always have great people around them or some, some element of good people around them. And, and also we're given some gift of time, like have the time to, to do that. So I'm like, just, I just keep thinking if any administrators or district leaders are listening, (laughs) those are really important things that I've noticed as trends across lots of our guests. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. That's great. Katie, do you have any other like reflections about teaching wit and wisdom that you want to share stories from your students or things that happen well, anything you're today proud of I feel class. like you could share like a pro- <laughs> the, the mic is yours okay oh gosh um I don't know I I love just like the little moments of like oh they are listening to me <laughs> you know? you're, I and I don't know what it is a majority of my IEP students have been boys and so um one time I was helping a student clean out his locker and you know it's a four and a half foot tall locker and you couldn't even see any of the inside metal because of all the papers and sweatshirts that he had crammed into it. Like you opened it and just a pillar fell out. So we're, we're like going through his locker and we're cleaning it out and he pulls out these notes and we're, you know, towards the end of a module. And these are notes from, er- from earlier in the module. And he pulls them out and he was like, Oh, I should, I, I should probably keep these. Right. And I was like, yeah, I, I think you should probably keep those. He goes, yeah, I might be able to use them for like an FQT or something. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. You should put those somewhere safer than crammed in your locker. And, you know, so they're, they're listening. So that's one of my favorite stories. And I don't know, just when, um, well, today in class, the students, my sixth graders were bemoaning that they couldn't find their, their notebooks under their chair in their chair baskets and I was like oh well we had a Socratic seminar with fifth graders yesterday so we kind of moved the room around just just kind of look around I'm sure it's close and one of the sixth graders goes oh I love those do we get to have any of those this year and I was like what you love them (laughs) you just you wait I think it's next week and she was like yeah we get to I I don't know that just makes me happy because I think that when and kids, especially middle school kids, don't like something. They're a lot more vocal about it with the groans and the, oh, this is stupid, whatever. But when they when they like something, they're not quite as vocal about it. And so when I hear those little, like, um, 
oh, I remember what you said, or, oh, I really like that, or, oh, this is kind of fun. I, I just, I love that. Yeah. And uh, the other, one of the things that I love so much about Wit and Wisdom is, um, at first reading through it, I thought it was just like a sit and get, and we're just going to be standing at the front of the room with this manual telling them, sorry, it's passing period, telling them (laughs) to, uh, (laughs) telling them what to do or like just giving them all this information. But then as we start teaching it, they're up in their think pair sharing, they're getting together with other kids in the room. We have these Socratic seminars. Our, our first Socratic seminar was not good. Our second Socratic seminar was fantastic. The kids that (laughs) never speak up in class when they're now just sitting with their peers come up with some really great ideas. Um, and so those are super fun to watch. Um, and I've now lost my train of thought because I'm thinking about Socratic seminars. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I was actually wondering why the first one wasn't as great as maybe the second. <laughs> I, I was surmising as you were saying it, but I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> I think the first, the, you know, the first one we ever did where we're asking them to just talk to them, to each other, they didn't know what to do with that. You know, <laughs> they all just kind of stared at each other embarrassed. Um, but by the second one, we built more of that classroom culture of it's okay to say something and to agree or disagree or whatever. Um, but at, back to what I was saying, I remember now, you know, we have like the, the chalk talks where they get to get up and uh, draw things all over the place. And um, mm-hmm. our sixth graders did a graffiti wall last year, which they thought just from the name was really fun. So I don't know. I, I just like all of the different things that Wit and Wisdom pulls in to keep things interesting for the kids. Katie, I wish we could like gift you with, if I had some power, I would totally gift you with like a wit and wisdom um, professional development because I feel like you missed out on so much. Like they're called instructional routines. And I'm like, I want to, I want you to, to take, to do the, you would just be so engaged, especially because you have context, you know, you're not like going yeah. in like, oh, I just got this manual and let me turn to page one. Like you've actually taught it. So I'm going to see if we can gift you with something. <laughs> Even like a virtual one. That would be amazing. That <laughs> you would and be your amazing. team. I would that. Yeah, that would be amazing. All right, I'm putting it on my to-do list. I'm gonna to talk to someone and see what I <laughs> see what we can do here. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of another story. Can I share one more? Yes, please. Tell it all. Yeah. Okay, so we are reading out of the dust, which um when I was reading the cortex for module one the summer before we implemented. It's Thunder Rolling in the Mountains for fifth grade, and then uh, which is about Western, westward expansion and how Native Americans were kind of pushed out um, from the perspective of, of the Nez Perce tribe. And so it's sad. It, you know, there's war and violence, and sure. it's sad. And then sixth grade is all about the Great Depression, so it's Bud Not Buddy and Out of the Dust. Also super sad. So I'm the dust. I finished- the dust kills me. <laughs> so I finished reading these three novels in the summer and I was like, I could just spend the next how many months just talking about these super depressing topics. But um, so in sixth grade, it was our first year. We were we just had read, spoiler alert, we had just read the the poem where the mom dies in Out of the Dust um, from, from the burn and the little, and the baby brother dies too. And we closed the books. Uh, we had read that one aloud in class and we closed the books and one of uh, my sixth grade girls sits back in her chair and does this deep sigh. And I was like, hey, are you okay? She was like, it's just, 
it's so sad. <laughs> she just, she had all these emotions that she had gotten from reading a book and she was a, a professed dis, disliker of reading. Like she didn't enjoy reading. And now she's sitting there in all of these emotions that she got from reading a book. And it just, it's giving me goosebumps right now. It gave me goosebumps then. It, we're transforming text. I love teaching these three novels now. I did not enjoy reading these super sad novels over the summer out of context, teaching them and showing all these emotions and all of this like strength of humanity is really empowering for me and more so for my students who are just you know 10 11 12 years old trying to figure out who they are who they want to be and now they're reading these stories about kids their age going through these wild challenges and hardships and um it's powerful it's powerful and i've I've, i'm honored to teach it absolutely yeah and then then that module is all about resilience right so you're not even like dwelling on, uh, yeah, like, yes, you're talking about how sad and terrible these things are, but also like, what do you, how do you come back from them? Yeah. And that, that's something that I mean, they can sink their teeth into. Last year after um, learning online and we were really able to tie hardship and resilience back into what has your last year looked like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There's not a child out there who I wouldn't want to be resilient. <laughs> they are. Person, let's say person. <laughs> yeah, That's beautiful. I've almost cried and I'm not a crier, so thank you for <laughs> <laughs> so we always end by asking for a piece of advice, which I think is interesting because um Lori found you by giving advice to people on Facebook. <laughs> so um, I don't know if it's the same advice that you want to give, but if you want to share some advice with teachers, it could be specifically about wit and wisdom or just implementing curriculum or working with students with um, IEPs, whatever it is that you <laughs> want to give some advice about. Sure. Gosh, I don't know. I, I think if it's just specifically about wit and wisdom, I still all the time say, trust the process to my students. I say it now, we're going to get there. Trust the process. I'm making you do this because it's going to help you later. Um, And so I think that that is a really solid piece of advice that we got from our curriculum director. Um, But just generally and in teaching, I feel so successful because I know that I am wholly supported by the people around me. And so if I want my students to be successful, I need to wholly support them and I need to meet them where they are. And I need to give them the things that they need individually to get where it is my job to get them. Um, And so just loving them and being here for them and giving them the tech tools that they need and the strategies that they need. And also just a quiet room if they're having a moment. All right, go, go sit in my comfy chair and think about it for a minute and then come back to class and we'll get to work and just just love your kids love your (laughs) love your students do what they need um and and they'll be successful is what i found yeah oh your kids are so lucky to have you (laughs) they are i i love my job it shows it shows thank you for Oh my gosh. Thank you for today. It's so amazing. Um, we podcasted with a teacher yesterday and we podcasted with you today. And I just feel like we're so lucky to have these windows into classrooms mm-hmm. with teachers who are knowledgeable and, you know, willing to be vulnerable and 
want to learn and are just love their students so hard that you're showing up for them, wanting to grow and be the best teacher that you can be. And you both, you know, both showed that in different ways, but I'm just, it was so evident today. So thank you so much. Like, I'm really grateful for this conversation. Me too. This was awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great to talk to you. Great to meet you, Katie. I know. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, Literacy Lovers. Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. Yep. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most of them are at Literacy Podcast. Yes. And please, please, please reach out to us. Melissa, what's our email address? Melissa and Lori at literacypodcast.com is our email address. And we love getting emails from you all. And <laughs> Lori we and really I really read them. Yeah, and we, we really, really respond. Fun. We just love, we love when you all reach out and we, we get to have conversations with you. So please, please email yep. us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're thinking about literacy, what you're thinking about. Ideas for us to podcast about. Yes, ideas for <laughs> podcasting, anything. We, we love to hear from you what you liked, what you want. Yeah, We're here for you. Mostly y'all are asking questions, which is great. Yes. <laughs> we don't mind that either. Yes. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. Thank you, everybody.